the Australian Hunting and Beyond podcast with Matt. The hunting journey continues. Let's get into it. Okay, so I'm sure this is everybody's been talking about this lately or you're feeling it. The cost of living is going through the roof at the moment. And, uh, you know, ammo, oh, my God. I uh, went to the range the other day and threw about 50 pills down. And then I uh, sort of worked out the costs and went for my 308. I'm shooting Hornady Precision Hunters at the moment at $96 for 20 and for me, geez, I know, look, if you're only hunting and you don't go to the range a lot, yeah, great. You know, it's not the biggest deal, but I like to shoot a lot. And I know a lot of people out there that hunt do actually like shooting as well. So tonight, I thought I'd get on Simon from Haztec and have a chat to him about some reloading, some seracoding, and just see where we go. So Simon, mate, welcome. Thanks for joining the podcast. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Mate, uh, let's get into you because you are quite uh, – you're going all right up there in the mountains with your shooting. Yeah, look, it's um, – yeah, I've been with um, Lithgow now for a few months and, yeah, getting some getting some consistent results and, yeah, doing it all with a, with a budget Hower. My Hower long-range setup, which I haven't really pushed too much because my closest range only goes to 200, but I rate the Hower. I have pretty good accuracy over it and I put up a couple of photos the other day of my groupings and we had a bit of a chat about that because you were saying uh, I, I do three round groupings and you were talking about five could be a better way. Do you want to tell us why? Yeah, we did. Um, look, you know, I, I think five gives you a bit more of a a bit more of a, a realistic average of what you're actually going to do when, when that moment comes to, to, you know, to let the trigger go. Uh, it's sort of it's that there is those trains of thoughts uh, three um, especially you know with ammo especially if you're using factory or well, another two rounds you know that's another six bucks or you know five bucks so I can understand where three is sometimes enough um, but sometimes fives just gives you that a bit more of a realistic average but yeah a lot of old timers like the five um, but then again you know some like the three so it really is a, a personal preference at cost but I'm a I'm a fan of the five in saying that I did three and that was with both the six and a half Creedmoor and then the 308 and for the extra two this is how crazy ammo is at the moment $19.20 for the 308 on Hornady Precision Hunter and it's they look they're great pills they just yeah, I, I can't talk about them more highly, but the price tag is really starting to sting. And as I said, I think I put 50 down range um, in a morning session. And then when I did the sort of calculations on that, they weren't all obviously costing, you know, the, the $9.60. But um, man, holy crap. Sorry, I think my math's a bit out there. The $4.80 a pill. So apologies. Apologies, $4.80 a pill. That's uh, lucky I'm not a... Uh, Lucky I don't do a job with maths. <laughs> so, yeah, we're still talking big numbers here. And for me, one of the things is how do we get around that but shoot accurately? And so I started to 
dip my sort of little toe into the reloading. That's how we started, I guess, chatting a little bit and said, well, what is the benefit to reloading? What are some of the things? Because you've won a couple of tournaments up there. So who better to talk to than someone that's, you know, doing pretty good as an up-and-comer? And, um, mate, ammo, reloading, let's let's get into it. What are your thoughts? You obviously do it, shooting so much. Yeah, as, you know, I shoot every week, obviously, and there is absolutely no way I could go and spend, you know, 120, 140, 160, if you want good stuff, every week. I just do not have those funds where I can reload and I can do it for under 30. So, you know, with reloading, yes, the initial outset or outlay, I suppose, is quite expensive. You know, you need a press, you need your dies. But once you've got it, you can, if you shoot a lot, obviously, someone like myself that shoots weekly, you're before six months, before your first six months, you're ahead. You know, once you buy all your gear, you need to reload. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, and then it's just, you know, Buy once, cry once. I think it's probably probably one of the best things to think of when it comes to reloading. You can get some um, cheap stuff, uh, and you can get some stuff that you'll buy once and you won't buy again. Uh, this this day and era, um, you know, it's very very hard. You know, for instance, like just a standard press. You know, I, I run the RCBS Rock Chucker. Uh, I think they're about. 600 maybe uh, i'd have to no, i think you're pretty right i think i looked at them they're about 680 690 now you, that's just for the press obviously they rcbs do do the kits as well um they have a cheaper a few cheaper ones but i mean the full kits are still anyway you know they're still pushing you know nine hundred a thousand bucks um and even that you don't have everything that you need Whereas Hornady do uh, some kits and Lee do some kits as well. I mean, Lee probably, you know, their start-off kit, oh, mate, you, you, you can probably be up and running for 600 bucks with Lee. Uh, and that, and that's with a, you know, I think they come with a trickler, uh, just a cheap lightweight powder measurer or powder thrower. Uh, you got to press. Um, so, yeah, it's really... Um, yeah, you can go so many different ways with what you, what you go with. I mean, I don't even have a powder thrower at the moment. I use a spoon. You know, I literally sit there with the scale and it sounds, it can be tedious, but I've chucked some spoons in there and they've been spot on. So, and it happens more, you get a bit of a gauge, you know, you eye it and think, oh, that's going to be pretty close. And yeah, I've had a few that just bang, 45 grains, thanks for coming. But yeah, it's so... Eventually, yes, but again, I go off that cry once, buy you know, buy once, cry once. I know, I know what I want to get, but the one I want's about four hundred bucks. So I'm, I'm happy just to persevere with what I've got now, um, and that'll be down the track. And that, that's the beautiful thing with reloading. You can, you know, you, you can buy stuff, cheap stuff, if you want, and you can either pass it on to a friend, because some people are extremely passionate with reloading um, I know like I can speak for myself it's almost like therapy I can sit there and you know clean up brass size brass load them and it's it's peaceful I'm sure there's people that are time poor and don't really have that option too um, but I do feel it's getting onto the cost of um, factory stuff you know people that don't shoot often you know a few boxes it's okay but if you're doing it every week or you know once a fortnight 
it's a lot of money, you know, especially when you add every, every add everything else up. Petrol to get the range fees, uh, yeah, just. I mean, we went down to um, St Mary's, and I think it cost you. I think non-members, it's, you basically get a little bit of change out of fifty bucks, and that's just to shoot the. It goes to fifty yards, so it's yeah, good for twenty twos, obviously, and handguns and big guns. It's all right too, but. It's, it's 50 yards, you know what I mean? It's not, not, not any big distance. Yeah. And look, that's one of the things I've looked at because I sort of – it's funny when we start throwing the numbers out, isn't it? Like saying, oh, mm-hmm. the whole kit's close to $1,000, but most scopes are going to be that. Well, that's like, exactly it. You know what I mean? Like people have no qualms about throwing into that. Now, I get with the reloading side of it is it can get quite technical and I want to sort of break down because we do have a lot of new people into firearms and hunting that listen to the podcast. So yep. I sort of want to get down into all the different sort of components and how hard it is to sort of put it all together and, you know, throwing some terminology out. I know you were throwing out before, like, how many grains go into the bullet. And for, for someone that can be sort of a little bit of daunting if you, you know, I've got a couple of mates that are just getting into hunting, they're really fresh. Hearing about this is probably going to be sort of like, whoa, what's going on? What's a grain, you know? So yeah, can we unpack what... The not the full process because you know there's a million YouTube videos out there. I don't want to go into that much detail, but what are the different components and you know how hard is it to get sort of going up and running into you know uh, being able to set up, reload, and be confident and safe? I think um, just that last few notes, Matty, probably the probably the best thing and the biggest thing to highlight: confidence and safe. Um, you know when you're playing with powders and stuff. Uh, yeah, if, you know, it can be can be dangerous if you you know you you don't want to be on the beers if you're learning how to do it. You really need to be switched on um, because you know I, I guess it's look it's happened to lots of people and it's even happened to me. You've you've you know you've gone on the mound, you've fired, um, bullet didn't go, and you think you know obviously you think it's, it's a hang fire miss uh, you know so you basically wait your thirty seconds. Round doesn't go, stupid me, didn't put any powder in there. And basically what can happen if you don't have any powder in there, the primer can still ignite and it can jam the bullet up the barrel. Um, and then, you know, if you a lot of the times, I guess it's all calibre too. So if that happens in a two-two-three, being that there's not a great deal of recoil, someone who's not experienced, if that happens, they're just going to chamber another round, aren't they? And they've already got a pill that's halfway at the st- just just past you know in this first part of the barrel, so it can it can really be it can be a worry. Um, and I think yeah, it does. It, it, you need to be you need to err on the uh, on the side of caution with it. Um, but within saying that, I guess that's all the negative sides of um, reloading. The benefits uh, are huge. You know, we have cost factor. Um, you know, as I said before, you know, 30 cal stuff, you know, I can do two details with some ciders, you know, so what's that? That's 12, it's about 24 rounds, do it for under 30 bucks. So compared to your... Yeah, 96, <laughs> that's a that's a big saving and yeah. if you throw, you know, if you're going down there and spending you know, a couple of hours at the range, geez, yeah, you're almost paying 20% off the press. 
straight up, aren't you? In one in one shooting session, hundred percent. And that's that's why I said that six months. You know, it can only take. It doesn't need to take long to pay that up to 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 make it up. So yeah, and look, I think I think for you guys too, and even myself, I I just think you know taking away from from firearms, just anything in general, YouTube is brilliant at times, mate. Um, there's so many things. There's any any topic you can think of. There's something on there that's going to give you a real good idea before you, you you decide to. In our in our instance, we're talking about reloading before you make the leap. Um, so I did, you know, there's oh, there's Eric Cortina. Um, he's an American, great, great, very knowledgeable, very good shooter. Um, you know, he makes some great videos. Um, there's there's heaps I could rattle off heaps, but I think with loading, reloading gives you a lot more opportunities uh, for bullet development. Now factory stuff these days is pretty accurate stuff. It's it's good stuff, but the reloading you can make your group smaller. You have powder options to try faster burning powder, slower burning powder. You also have the option of seeding your bullets at different at different um, at different depths, uh, and that's you know I'm I've been doing that. I I started reloading pretty much straight away. I've had more, obviously fired plenty of rounds in the army, but when I got into shooting, uh, but I got straight into reloading straight away because I knew that you know it just it's not feasible for me to go and spend um that every week so it was my only way of really doing it and yeah it's um i'm hooked on it mate absolutely love it you know i've tried with my rifle i've i've tried loads you know jammed on the lands you know five thou ten thou twenty thou thirty thou forty fifty even sixty thou off the lands um and i've been doing development with 2208 powder and 2206H, um, I think with the 06H powder, I'm running about 43.5 grains at the moment. And with 2208, it's about 45. And I'm usually pushing 155s or 168 grains. So, yeah, and I'm experimenting. You know, most people that are, I know, I know guys from, from my club that have been using the same um, recipe, so to speak. Uh, for over 20 years. And I think that's the big one, isn't it? Like once you're dialed in and you get that I get recipe that's ready to go for your barrel, and I think that's the big one because when you get it dialed in and you have that recipe and it's working, it's just in tune, the harmonics of that barrel is just running right, your accuracy and your groupings just come right in. And you can't do that with factory ammo. No, look, you, that's, that's that's just one of the benefits. Um, but I think, I think to another another big um, a big thing too, like just talking on while on barrels. Um, obviously, there's different twist rates. So the lower the the twist number, it's a faster moving bullet. You know, for instance, 308s that generally a one in ten or a one in eleven twist. Um, I prefer one in ten. Um, Especially for a 24-inch, um, shorter barrel, maybe I'd want one in 11. You know what I mean? Maintenance and cleaning um, barrels. Um, you know, I know a lot of hunters that very rarely 
clean it. So the fouling can sometimes actually help your rifle, help you with your accuracy, believe it or not, in many occasions. It truly is something that, um, yeah, I'm I'm testing whether I'm over-cleaning or under-cleaning. Um, you know, hunters generally don't need as much accuracy as a target shooter needs, but in saying that, it should be a priority as well. Um, you know, you know, you should be wanting to be accurate. You want that one-shot kill, don't you? Well, I think the closer you can get your group uh, when you're, you're shooting regularly and the smaller it gets, you have the ability to reach out that little bit further and be confident with it because it's not going to move as much when you do. And in some circumstances, you really, you know, like it's, it's hunting. It's it, when you're in the bush, it's not shooting at a target. You just don't know what's going to happen. So right. I personally, as you know, for, for myself, I want to be as accurate as possible so that when I'm put in any position, I'm comfortable taking that shot or I'm not going to take that shot. That's just my personal sort of stance and that's sort of how I operate. Can we go back a little? Because you, you threw out a couple of numbers there and some terminology that I know people are probably going to sit there and go, what does that mean? So I want to talk about the difference in grains because we've got grains as in the grain of the bullet and then we've got grains in the powder and then also we talked about lands. So can you just break sort of the differences there down in the sense that when you're talking about the grains, I think you sort of were saying about 45, 48, somewhere around there for the grains of um, powder. Powder charge, yep. Yep. What's that? Yeah, so it's it's your gunpowder basically. Um, You know, we have ADIs, Australian Defence Industries, is the same stuff we use in the armies, uh, use their brass as well, and I actually use their brass now as, as in the civvy world, and it's good shit. Um, so, yeah, with powders, there's quite a few types, um, and the good thing with, and this is a good thing for some of the guys too, like you watch anything on YouTube, like IE, uh, Ultimate Reloader or Eric Cortina or anything, and they'll talk about powders like Varget. Uh, we don't have Varget here, but ADI on their website, they have a cross-reference. So you think, what's Varget? You know, what's that for? If you look up Varget on their site, it'll tell you it's 2208 powder. So you can understand what they're using to help you work out uh what those guys are using over there. Um, I think ADI stuff's good quality powder. Um, some of the American powders I've heard some bad stuff about. Uh, I've only ever used ADI stuff. Um, and I think everything, everyone from my club, uh, we all run ADI. And I think every other hunter or shooter that I've ever, I know of, uh, uses ADI. So, yeah, so grains, different um Different cases obviously have different capacity to hold different amounts of powder. You've got to be you've got to be pretty switched on with powder too, because as I said before, like there's black powder, um, there's you know fast burning powder, there's slow burning powder. If you put the wrong powder in, it can be pretty dangerous too. Um, so it's it's you know, it's to be respected when you're playing with that stuff. Um, you can't get, so as far as projectiles and brass, we can get them posted all throughout the country, not a problem, but powders and primers. <laughs> primers will be a funny one to talk about when we get to it, um, if there is any in the country. 
Um, yeah, they're 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 dangerous goods. So you got to go pick it up yourself, or get a mate to pick it up for you who has a license. So, so yeah, grains. You know, that's obviously for reloading. You know, we we need our brass. We need powder. We need projectiles, as you said before, Maddie. Um, you know, they're they're in grains as well. Um, so depending on the calibre, um, depending on how much, you know, for instance, you can't just put like a, a 200 grain pill in something that's not designed to take that pill. Um, that's why you'll find there's certain, certain, uh, you know, there's a there's a there's a bottom and a ceiling point for what grain bullets you can get for a Pacific like a a caliber, for instance, 30 cal, etc. And I think I think you can get um those reloading books. There's quite a lot of information in there, and we might touch on that. But before I before we move on to there, uh, one thing I did mention we just touched on it for a second is primers. This is the only issue with reloading. Um, primers have been a pain in the butt to get for probably about two years now. Now there is stock coming in, but it goes pretty darn quick. Members of, you know, for instance, New South Wales Rifle Association, they will hold some powder for you against your SID number. And I think that's the same with any other. Uh, Queensland have a, um, a Q store up there, which is sort of the similar to what we have there at Malabar with the New South Wales Rifle Association. There's one for South Australia. Yeah, so primers are very hard to get at the moment, and that could be... Uh, very especially large large rifle primers and i, I think if, with with primers right so i'm running cci 200s at the moment and if i was to put say a gold federal match in there i would get different results that's just changing primers is enough to change your recipe it sounds so technical you'd think a primer's a primer wouldn't you but well yeah because it's just basically what's igniting and then going to set the powder off for you, you know, to, to move your projectile. It's Pretty much. Some 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 primers, are, like for instance, CCIs, they're quite a hard primer. Some are a lot softer. So the pin obviously, you know, strikes it a bit easier because it's not so hard. You know, there's, yeah, you wouldn't think all it is is just it's basically starts off the you know there's obviously so much happening once 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 that's ignited, there's gas pressures building, it's, it's sent before you know it, it's yeah there's a lot happening it happens very very quick, but yeah so you know one little thing like that can put your can put it out so basically for instance let's say I was shooting. You know, weekend competition, uh, which is what we do every Saturday. You know, I might do six rounds with let's let's say I've got ten. It's a, the details ten. I shoot seven with C CCIs. I've run out of CCIs. I've borrowed some Winchester or you know some Federals. Expect to have different results. I don't know where they're going to go. They're going to kind of be close, hopefully, but. Yeah, it's guesswork from there. Yeah, so primers, changing them to your recipe will make a difference. Um, and I think that's, you know, again, depending on how much of a difference that's going to make, there's lots of variables there to certain bullets. It's just, 
it can, it can ups, upset the uh, apple cart, so to speak. It'll still fire, but it mightn't be where, where your scope's set to, etc. Yeah, it might not be as accurate. Correct, yeah. All right, well, we're talking about a couple of things here. I want to know about how, how do we go about making reloading even cheaper because this is one of the ones for me and it's probably something I need to start doing. I've always just shot and I've got rid of my brass. Now, when I was looking into reloading, I sat there and went, oh, crap, I should have been keeping this brass for a long time (laughs) because I didn't realise it's almost half the cost or pretty close to that of the whole projectile when you're reloading. Yeah, well, I think if you want to go and buy a bag of ADI brass, they usually come in bags at 50. You can buy, like, Lapua. They sell them in bigger yeah, I think 100 or 200 as well. But for instance, ADI, uh, for 50 of them, brand new brass, never fired. Um, yeah, I think they're about 70 bucks for a bag of 50 brand new ones. And their size, they're pretty much ready to, ready to go. So, yeah, you've probably uh, shot yourself in the foot there, Matty. Yeah, I know, but I've stopped doing that now. So, but yeah. uh, I'll, I'll start doing it. So, Two things there is, A, when you fire, the neck of the actual brass moves, so you've got to do something there to, to fix stretch. it. stretch, yep. And then you've also got to clean it, and that's where you've got something a little bit different to the standard. So I want to talk about the standard, and then I want to talk about what you do as well. Yeah, um, okay, so brass will stretch. Um, for instance, you know, uh, that uh, you know reloading book or loading manual I told you about before, most of them cover every caliber that's sort of, you know, old calibers, new calibers. All, there's all the information in there. So you've got all your your case measurements um, because obviously your brass will fire form to your barrel too. So with reloading, there's, you know, a lot of people will full size the case or you can just neck size it. Some people use a mandrel. In, in their neck size or they t- take the guts out of it and that's a way to try and obtain consistent neck tension. So yeah, that's that's definitely um part part of the reloading. Was that next so part when of you, Yeah, so when you fire and I've kept yep. the brass, I'm yep. gonna have to do something to the neck to get it ready to go again. Yeah, well you know. Uh well well basically you gotta check the length of it, right? So for for instance, um, Sammy specs for a 308 uh, cartridge, uh, two two inches, so two zero point zero five of an inch. That's the semi minimum, and then I think you know you're not supposed to let it go over two zero one five. So that's your that's what you're playing with. Some of my cases are at at two, two inches, just a flat two. I don't go any lower than that. Now, to get it there, there's a lot of ways you can trim your brass back down. Um, you will find you might be able to shoot, depending on the colour, but you might be able to fire that brass two or three times without even needing to, um, to, to you know, resize it, so to speak, especially if you go the low end of the semi-spec because you've got all the way to go up to the 15, you know what I mean, quarter. Um, yep. So... So yeah, so there's a lot of ways to to get your brass back to um you know back in size in spec. Um, you can spend as little as twenty five dollars, or you can spend up to 
200 bucks, 130, 400. So the sky's the limit. Personally, I just use a little Lee, Lee one, and it has it has a middle stem on and a, that screws into a cutting face, a carbide cutting face. You can either put that in your drill or you can do it by hand. And basically, you slide your shell over it because, as I said, there's that stem in the middle. And then what that does, that sort of that actually pokes through where the primer goes at the back of the case, and you can it won't let you spin it. It'll let you. It, it's sort of measured. That's the right length to get you into spec, semi spec. So you can spin that bullet. That's why you can put it on a drill. You can smash through it, through them really quick, or you can do them by hand. But it won't let you make it any shorter because it, it like it maxes out because that's pressing against the back the inside of the primer primer hole. So you can't. You know, you don't have to be too paranoid about shaving too much off it and then going. I've just ruined my case because you have that that's perfectly sized if it's fitted correctly. <laughs> Does that mean your, your case it has a shelf life? So you can only fire it, say, 10 times before it becomes too short for the caliber you're shooting? Well, it's, it's only ever going to grow. So brass is only ever going to grow. It's, it's not going to shrink. Even if you're shaving the neck off, will it, it won't ever shorten so that you – so you'll always be able to use that brass? Well, it, it's – Nothing's forever, obviously. Um, you know, and I think people, I'd say there'd be lots of people that say, look, you know, I might only get, you know, 10 or 20 reloads and then I might throw them out. To me, I don't do that. I just, I check my brass once it's cleaned. I make sure that there's no signs of stress or cracks that I can see and if it looks okay and it's in spec, man, I'll shoot it. Um, you know, I think brass preps, you know, as obviously you've seen, I have a vapor blast cabinet now. Usually most people will clean their brass with a, um, with a tumbler, whether it be with steel pins or whether it will be with corn cob. Um, they're the general sort of normal ways to do it. I've been experimenting, experimenting with my, doing my brass in a vapor blasting cabinet at very low pressure. It's working great and makes it very easy to clean primer pockets because they usually can be a bit of a pain in the butt to clean. Uh, they stain up pretty good. So far, I haven't had any any issues. Um, a lot of people also anneal their necks. Um, you know, you can buy machines and it does it for you, or you can you know get the blowtorch out and you can put a bit of heat back in there uh, to help soften them up. I haven't gone down that bag yet, probably will, but a lot of guys I know have been shooting for a long time and they don't anneal. So okay, that's there's interesting. a bit of a debate there. Some guys swear on it. Yeah, I'm sort of, I've got a bit of a mentor and a few of the guys from my club and some do, some don't. Um, I haven't really, I'm getting pretty good shots at times, so... Yeah, I, I haven't really gone that far yet. Um, okay, you touched on a mentor just then. Yep. Is that probably the way to go when you're reloading? Because it does have so many sort of parameters and technical sort of specs that you've got to hit. Is it well worth getting someone that reloads and, and spending some time watching and learning rather than just the YouTube? Because I know YouTube's great for a lot of things and you can jump on and see it, but is it well worth having someone there that you're watching, you can throw questions at and 
and learn from someone else? Oh, look, everyone, everyone learns different, Matty. Um, some people can learn from reading. Uh, some people are hands-on. Um, I know for myself, I'm, I'm a very hands-on, hands-on person. Uh, my, my mentoring, you know, I spent, he's actually taken me under his wing to give me a bit of a hand to get this target thing sorted out. Uh, but with reloading, you know, I spent, I, you know, I spent a bit of time on YouTube getting my head around things. Um, and then, you know, I spent maybe two hours over his house one afternoon and, uh, yeah, had a bit of a, a mini crash course, so to speak. Um, lots and lots of questions. Um, and then pretty much I was straight into it myself. So, yeah, and I've made some mistakes give you some instances so i was um running some 155 burger hybrids and they're, they're quite a long bullet and a long boat tail um the first few times well, that, well the first session of loading them i was actually oh, what was i running i think i was running 43 grains of 2208 and they were actually the projectiles was actually getting marked so when you're reloading you'll actually sometimes get just a slight ring around around the projectile and that's just from whatever's in your you know the part that's that actually pushes the projectile into the shell sometimes they can have a bit of a uh, uh how would you say that this the edges off the off the die inside the um they can be a bit sharp they just need a bit a bit of a a bit of clean just to take the edge off a little bit but with these VLDs, I was actually pushing the projectile way too deep and I was actually crushing the powder. I've actually got six of those bullets, which I've got to pull them. I've got to pull them because I won't use them. I could shoot them, but it wouldn't feel nice. Um, yeah, they're just super compressed. Uh, I probably, I could, but I'm not going to shoot them. Um, but yeah, so I think with reloading, you need to be prepared. There's quite a few tools you need, and this is a good, a good thing, you know. Like a, you've got to be able to pull that bullet apart because, you know, there's no point having live rounds floating around in there that you're not going to use. And uh, yeah, I think there's actually two others from an, another load, and they're not because of that. They're just um, I actually seated them not to what I wanted to. I wasn't concentrating, so I've got about eight bullets I need to pull. Um, I don't exactly know. I can't 100% guarantee what powder's in there. So whatever powder's in those, all those bullets is going in the bin because you don't want to be mixing powders either. So you don't want to, oh, I think it's all 028, but half of it could be 06H. Uh, it's not a good idea. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, at the end of the day, safety is paramount. So Big time, man. Be, be, uh, rather be safe than sorry is always the go. Well, let's... Let's get into the Cerakote side of things because you're a certified Cerakoter. Yep. Um, mate, your thoughts on Cerakoting. I've got one of my rifles I did aftermarket and then I bought – I've got a Weatherby Vanguard that comes stock standard with um, – in the meat eater edition anyway. It comes stock standard being Cerakoted. I am a massive fan. What are some of the benefits out there for our listeners to have a rifle Cerakoted? Oh, mate, Cerakote is just – it's it's the duck's guts of coating. Um, you know, it is Cerakote's an American company. 
as you know, a lot of a lot of the even Lithgow arms, you know, they they come out with a with Cerakote on a few of their their models. Um, benefits, you know, especially for a hunter, you know, you don't have to worry about you know getting a bit of rain in there, um, you know, because bluing does wear off. This stuff is pretty darn durable, so. There's quite a few series in the Cerakote range, um, and I've had a good experience with with all of it. I've been, you know, qualified applicator since 2018. As far as rifles, so they have three of the three main series. So H series probably got the most amount of colours, and that's what you'll find. What the the manufacturer guys use, like Lithgow, etc., Weatherby, um, they usually use like graphite black. It's a very common one, uh, armor black, which is a flat black, and they use titanium, etc. It's a very thin coating, as you might know. Um, for the guys that don't know, it's 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 basically you have to etch etch the substrate, the metal, go through a degreasing process um, before it's coated. It needs to go into the oven, and any oils that the substrates absorbed over time you need to soak them out basically quickly give it another dust and put it in the oven so it's other cured the H series as I said the most colors probably out of the out of what they do would be in the H series now when you look at that compared to paint like in a scratch hardness H series is seven times harder than paint when it comes to a scratch hardness test uh, elite series is about nine times and that's probably i think they've only got about 10 colors now um that's 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 the best they do um it's got one of my favorite blacks in it too called uh, e100 blackout it's got a real nice egg sheen on it um and then you go to c series which is air cured so h series and e series are both oven cured um, especially for firearms, you know, they're good for 660 degrees, which is more than enough from what a firearm's going to ask. Where you go to the heat series, it's good good for 1100. Um, and that stuff's really good for like turbos, exhaust, engine blocks, um, just that, that type of stuff. You can use it in industrial settings as well. Uh, and then you also have the other products like the uh, Micro Sleek. So that's really good for bolts. Uh, it's basically like a dry film Teflon paint, basically. That's oven cured as well. They also do piston coats as well, where you can do the top of pistons. Um, and yeah, the testing I've done with that, 30, 30 to 55 degrees difference in heat. If you put a blowtorch on the top of a piston for the same amount, one with the coating, one without, underneath where the bearings are, 30 to 50 degrees difference um so it's pretty good stuff um but but yeah like it's you know there's so much test information on Cerakote's website so they've done acid bath testing and they've compared it against bluing um there's quite a few um few companies that make coatings for the firearms industry there's Duracote Cerakote and I believe there's another one and Cerakote seem to um come up trunks come up trump i know the adf they did some testing that went for four years they tested in timor afghanistan 
and a few other things, but yeah, they tested. I did know the exact figures actually, speaking to him not long ago, but yeah, it was a four year test. The Australian Defence did it, and um, yeah, that's that's what we use. The Army use Cerakote as well. So it's quite durable, Matty. I know. I love the fact. So for our listeners out there, I have a Ticket T3X in 243, and I it's a stainless barrel, and I remember on a hunt down in the snowies, it rained, and I was out there for three days, and it rained one night. And I don't tend to take cleaning gear away with me when I go hunting because I tend to just do it when I get back. And when I got back, even though it was only a day after it had rained or maybe a day and a half at best, I'd started to get those little rust spots on the barrel. Yep. And I just went, you know what? That, you know, like It's stainless, not stain proof. And uh-huh. that sort of made me go, you know what? I'm going to get it done. And, and I did that with the ticker, so it came up good. And I just find it's so – I don't think about – anything to do with the cleaning side of it as much and i'm not worried about if it's raining i don't care because i know it's going to be fine and if you grab the barrel it's no big deal because the oil on your hand's not going to matter and i think that just that that little bit of extra time cleaning knowing if i drop it you know and scratch it or anything like that it's really you know it's going to get beaten around being out in the bush it's no big deal so for me, Cerakoting is just 100%. a must, and most of my gu- most of my guns now, or the ones I'm going to get, will definitely be either Cerakoted or aftermarket. I'll get the Cerakoting done because it's just just the way to go. I'm a massive fan of it, and and I've only had really good experiences so far. So, and and plus, I do like the idea of the colours. Um, you know, for me, I know I changed the colour on my ticker because I didn't want that stainless barrel out in the field. Mm-hmm. Um, so I changed the colour and it came up quite good with the the camo stock. So that's a, a win. Just with the stainless, you know, any rifle, you're going to pay extra for a stainless, aren't you? Yeah, 100%. You know, if you just go a normal blued, put that towards a coating, that you're going to be a shitload more happy. And as you said, with the stainless, you don't want the glare. The sun's going to bounce off it, isn't it? So... Yeah, it's something to, something to consider. Pay, you know, 150 or some barrels, I think, a 200 difference between stainless and blued. Um, that can actually get you really close to getting your, getting it a colour you want and personalising your rifle, as you were saying before. I do like that, and that's something I have thought about. Is there much of a difference in the barrel life and accuracy between a blued barrel and a stainless barrel? Because I have heard a million different things out there. What are your thoughts on it? I I tend to not. I mean, there's so many more variances with, with that with barrels, like barrel profiles. Um, you know, you've got sporter barrels. You know, the carbon barrels are supposed to be shit hot. I've, I don't have much experience with the carbon barrels, um, but I know people that swear by them. Um, you can get fluted barrels and all that. It's a bit of a, yeah, I haven't. Don't really have enough on that one to really, to really, you know, what I'd say probably wouldn't hold much weight to be honest, Matty. Yeah, no, I appreciate the honesty. I I found my most accurate rifle is blued. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is quite a, it's a, not really surprising, but I, I just for me I do prefer the stainless, and I just think from as you sort of said before the blued. But then if you're going to cerakote it, is it going to be? Is it such a big deal? It's probably not. Yeah, so that makes it's sense. Not. It, re- it, re- it re- really isn't. Yeah, there's there's just, mate, there's no negatives to having, 
your stuff's sericated. As you said, you were out that hunting for three days. Sericate, you don't worry about it, mate. You don't have to worry about it. You can leave your gun out in the bush for a month and it'll still be fine. You leave something out that's blue, it'll be f***ed. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so, and less is more, less to worry about, less to be concerned. Keep your keep your eye on the prize and concentrate on what you're doing instead of worrying about stuff you don't have to. And I think that in itself is very important. All right, really appreciate the info tonight. And, mate, I am such a massive fan of Cerakote. As I said, I don't think there's going to be ever a rifle in my safe that's not going to be Cerakoted. Um, mate, for anyone that wants to get in touch to, to talk about Cerakoting, where can they find you? Uh, okay, so we're on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, email is haztechservices at gmail.com, H-A-Z-Z-T-E-C-H. Anyone, you know, anyone that's subscribed, like, you know, just mention mention the podcast or mention Maddie, and, you know, I'm happy to, you know, give you 10% off. All right, sweet guys. So if you do want um, to check out Cerakoting with Haztec, he'll chuck in 10%. If you listen to the podcast, just quote it. Mate, really appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for coming on. I hope our listeners have learnt something. I know I've learnt a couple of different things about the reloading especially, so I do appreciate your time and it's definitely something I need to look at getting into ASAP. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next time. Bye for now. If you have a topic, guest, question, or any gear that you want to hear about on the podcast, shoot us an email, australianhuntingandbeyond at gmail.com. Alternatively, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All the links are in the show notes. If you haven't already, make sure you give us a review and subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.